Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Monday, February 25th. We are brought to you by Chowder and Grits Podcast, of course. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. Tune in today. Click, listen, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Check us out. Tim, what is going on? A whole lot. Yes, a whole lot. I flew into Houston this morning, uh, left bright and early around 8 o'clock from Raleigh uh, to start getting ready for a work conference that we have down here. Um, I had some time to kill today, uh, so I had, for the first time in my life, what would be considered Texas barbecue. Um, and so that was an experience in and of itself, man. That was, uh, that was awesome. So as far as I'm concerned, Texas has the market cornered on any sort of uh, barbecue involving beef. Yeah, I mean, you know, having lived in uh, in Dallas for a while, it's uh, it's pretty much ruined me wherever I go because you've got, for me, you know, it's brisket and sausage. That's what Texas uh, barbecue is, and you know, of the smoked variety, obviously. You, know, you can obviously get your smoked chickens and your pulled pork and, you know, all that kind of other stuff, but the brisket and the smoked sausage is uh, is where it's at. And then when you, you know, can basically use a spoon like you're eating a cup of gelato, but it's a- actually brisket, It uh, it's kind of a magical feeling. Oh, man. And it was so good. The other thing that caught me off guard when I walked in, uh, like, I mean, there's a bunch of people huddled around what looks like a salad bar. It's like, great, they got an endless salad bar. This is a really cool uh, barbecue restaurant. Nope, it turns out Texans just like a whole bunch of fixins with their barbecue. These were like raw onions, all sorts of peppers, pickles, and yeah, they were just slapping it on the plate with the barbecue. So that was uh, that was new to me. I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, well, you're in Texas, so everything's bigger and everything's kind of better, to be honest. So, um it's uh yeah well that's good so we're actually tim is coming to you on skype so this is our first skype call so uh if you're noticing a difference in call quality that's probably what it is but i think we're i think we're off to the races tim i was actually in uh i was in south bend indiana yesterday for the virginia tech notre dame game and uh it was my first time to a notre dame basketball game at the joyce pavilion and uh or what is it the joyce center it's the purcell pavilion at the joyce center and uh yeah i don't know what it is but it's the notre dame basketball stadium it's uh it was a lot smaller than i thought just you know i had been to a football game there before and um it's newer just because it's been renovated in the last 15 years. Uh, it was a nice stadium. I love the shamrock on the floor. Always been a big fan of that. The uh, I'd say it was probably about two-thirds full, and it seats about 9,100, so there wasn't a lot of people there. Wasn't a uber-exciting game. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but, you know, hard fought, as it has been with any Virginia Tech game here recently. Um, the... Notre Dame head football coach Brian Kelly came out midway through the first half. I don't know if this was on ESPN or not, but uh, he gave a little bit of a pep talk to the crowd, got a standing ovation. He kind of just walked in and took over the floor um, right in front of Mike Bray's face and 
basically said, I'm the boss of this campus. Um, people stand up and listen to me. And I just thought it was kind of odd timing since they were playing Virginia Tech, which traditionally, obviously, a football school. Notre Dame is a football school. Um, and his last message was beat Virginia Tech, which they didn't. But uh, there's actually a Virginia Tech-Notre Dame matchup later this year um, in November at uh, in South Bend. So just thought that was odd timing. But uh, overall, pretty good experience. People were super polite, to be honest. Like There was three or four people that literally said, oh, uh, welcome, welcome to South Bend or welcome to Notre Dame because, you know, we were walking around decked out in tech here, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was nice. You know, it's, you never know what, what kind of reaction you're going to get from a, uh, from a hosting crowd. So fairly polite. I didn't necessarily have the same reactions when I was there for football. Not that they were impolite, but I just feel like football is a little bit of a different monster, but Overall, a uh, a good experience. Uh, one thing I thought was funny is Brian Kelly made sure to point out the football players that were in attendance, and uh, they couldn't look any more disinterested to have been there. They just they were just sitting there, just like hey, you know, we're here, whatever. But it's like you're a student of the school, right? So why aren't you a little bit more amped up to be there? Because I mean, it is your school, right? So I don't know. Fair point. It's a fair point. I didn't get to see the Brian Kelly thing on TV. And I did note I was paying more attention to the arena than I would have normally because I knew you were there. And I, I was surprised at how small it looked even on the TV. Yeah. And I mean, you know, honestly, it's probably average size for a non pro style, you know, traditional college court, maybe a little bit on the smaller end, but, um, you know, just comparing it to Castle Coliseum, it felt much smaller than Castle, although probably capacity-wise, it's not that much of a difference. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was literally sitting in the last row of my section, and I felt like I had a great seat. Yeah. No, I mean, so. all the seats seem like to be fairly close to the court, at least. So, um, you're not nowhere up too high in that situation. Yeah, so that was uh, that was a nice little cap to the end of the ACC basketball week. Uh, let's just touch base on a few football notes. I really don't have a lot to talk about football-wise. Uh, schools are gearing up. A couple of notes. Couple, one thing I wanted to point out, really, uh, with Virginia Tech is a team that looked like it was getting dismantled there on the transfer portal front. Well, they've had a couple of guys come back, so they've literally gone from two quarterbacks in the last, uh, I don't know, two weeks to four, uh, pretty much a full quarterback room. So Hendon Hooker decided to come back, and then they uh, they got a nice transfer out of Oregon, a former four-star in uh, Braxton Burmeister, Brewmeister. Uh, so a very quarterbacky name. He kind of just looks like a quarterback to be honest. So he uh he's going to sit out this year, but then he will come in and compete with uh Quincy Patterson next year, you would have to imagine. Yeah, you would have to imagine he feels pretty confident about his abilities to transfer to a school like Virginia Tech where there is a a talented quarterback waiting in the wings. Um, funny how things change, though. We went from talking about how quarter, quarterback depth was a real issue to all of a sudden now quarterback depth looks quite, not, quite nice, not only this year, 
uh, but looking ahead another year as well with uh, Braxton coming in. And he's another guy that's dual threat, should be able to make plays with his arms and his legs. Um, you know, happy to have him come in and learn under Fuente and hopefully, uh, you know, that quarterback room continues to be strong moving into the future. But an interesting trend now you see with Deshaun McLeese and, and Hooker now both uh, rescinding their names out of the transfer portal. I think that, uh, you know, if you're a Hokie fan, that's got to make you feel a little more confident in what's going on behind the scenes in that football program. Yeah, so that was really all the ACC football news I had. Do you have anything else to add there? Okay, so let's head into basketball, and we'll just kind of jump off into some of the headlines of the week that I came up with. And obviously the first one... Um, and we'll hit on these a little bit later, but the Zion shoe explosion, which leads to a UNC blowout. So that was obviously the talk of the week and still really is the talk. Um, another kind of devastating headline here, a Syracuse coach, Jim Beheim, was involved in a fatal car accident, hit a, uh, hit a pedestrian on the highway um, at around midnight after the game on, I think it was Wednesday night. Tuesday or Wednesday night, but uh, he ended up coaching on Saturday against uh, against Duke. But a little bit more on that. Louisville continues their free fall. Uh, UVA gets their eighth win in a row over the Cardinals, and uh, Louisville's in a lot of trouble, Tim. Yeah, Louisville not looking good, man. And then NC State really survived an overtime scare, blew a lead against Boston College, did come out on top, uh, and they just completed their 20th win of the of the uh, year uh, with the win over Wake Forest. Uh, we are recording this Sunday night, so that game is final, 94-74, NC State over Wake. Uh, but yeah, that game against Boston College, that could have been really devastating to their, uh, to their tournament hopes. Yeah, and it's... You know, it's funny when you look at that game specifically. Uh, Devin Daniels is a guy who's been so hot or cold, mostly cold all year, due to weird ball hoggish type playing, not looking up, hitting passes, forcing bad shots. He won that game single-handedly for NC State against Boston College with his defensive play. Offensive play was great, too, pulling in 19 points. But man, oh man, that is one of the best single... uh, single player defensive efforts I've ever seen in that game. And just wanted to shout out Devon on that because I know he's had a tough season uh, transferring from Utah, having to sit out last year, but really coming to on into his own at the end of the year, great performance against Boston college looked good again against wake. Um, but I think the story for NC state now is especially after wake forest, Markel Johnson looks healthy again, and that is going to be, huge for them moving forward and especially if they can eke into the ncaa tournament um yeah they could make a deep run with a guy like markel back at the helm and 100 percent healthy yeah so let's just jump right into some of the action so we'll start with duke unc and 30 seconds into the game zion sprains his knee i really don't think the shoe is what caused the sprain I think if you watched it, his knee kind of gave out on him first, and then he tried to stop all of his body weight with his uh, left leg and just blew straight through those Paul Georges. So it was uh, 
kind of scary, uh, you know, just to see Zion go down like that. And my immediate thought was he's definitely not playing the rest of this game. We will not see him. And um, I think we will see him again in a Duke uniform playing. He strikes me as that kind of guy that will um, want to compete. He's not one of these guys that he, he seems like a very much of a team guy. And, uh, you know, that's been one of my favorite things about him. You know, he's a very likable Duke basketball player, which for the for a high-profile Duke player in recent history, that's been pretty difficult to say. But I I haven't had any issues with Zion. I actually like, uh, like watching him play. I like him. Um, I think he will be back. I don't think we'll see him before March, probably – ACC tournament is my guess, um, and then if they're not comfortable with that, I don't think we'll see until until the tournament, which I think might actually be okay for Duke. Um, but yeah, I don't know what your what your immediate reactions were. I had multiple reactions. One, I agree with you on the analysis as far as it wasn't the shoe that caused it. It did look like his knee buckled, and then you know he tried to stop using all of his weight, which is a lot of weight. Two, this is just a rumor, but it came from Shaquille O'Neal, so I'm sure he's got decent sources. Uh, basketball players usually change shoes about one every two games, uh, so I've heard. And according to him, the rumor was that Zion had been playing on the same pair of shoes all season. Um, and three, uh, those Paul Georges aren't really meant for a guy of his size. I'm no shoe expert, but from what I can tell, Le- LeBron James has a signature shoe, which is made for more guys Zion size. Um, I know the Paul Georges are super light, but I think you're seeing a mixture of, of two, two or three things there. One, his injury occurred beforehand, causing a lot of stopping power on that shoe. Two, the wrong shoe uh, was being worn. And three, that shoe had a lot of wear on it. Um, you hate to see it, but you know I think this has given people a little, a little opportunity to pounce on Nike, which seems like nowadays uh, the internet will pretty much pounce on anything. So it's sad to see him get injured, but thankfully, I you know it's only a grade one sprain, so we should be able to see him here shortly. If I was him, I might think about sitting out until the tournament or the NCAA tournament. Um, but you know, Zion does not strike me as the kind of player that would just sit out the season at this moment. No, and I mean, I think the thing on the shoe front is obviously uh, Zion is going to sign with the big baller brand after uh after that incident so be on the lookout for lavar ball to to come in and and swoop him away but uh yeah you know the report out of duke is zion is is begging coach k to play or at least you know itching to get back in on the floor i don't see why he would play before the acc tournament um at the earliest um just because he doesn't need to be out there but Regarding the injury, I mean, it left Duke pretty much shell-shocked. They never overcame it. Uh, UNC was a shark that smelled blood and just took full-on advantage. Um, Duke, once again, struggled from three. You know, they had two guys that combined for 60 points and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. And they got very little else from anybody, um, including Trey Jones, who played 40 minutes and was one for 11 with three points. So he had a horrible game. The team shot 20% from three again. Um, They got absolutely dominated on the inside. You know, 32 of North Carolina's 
34 points. Their first 34 points were in the paint, and they ended up outscoring Duke 62-28 to overall in the paint. So they absolutely dominated them inside. The big fundamental, Luke May, absolutely went off. 30 points, 15 boards. Cam Johnson had a 26. So the uh, shell shock of the injury and the uh, it was just a little bit too much for Duke to overcome. And for those of you that paid uh, Super Bowl prices to get in, you had to be pretty disappointed, which includes Barack Obama, Ken Griffey Jr., Spike Lee, among others, I'm sure, that were in attendance. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you have to be disappointed in, you know, kind of the hot takes flying around after this game about, you know, oh, well, how can we expect Duke to compete without Zion Williamson? It kind of irritated me a little bit, given the amount of talent that's on that Duke roster. Um, Duke should be with a, able to withstand the loss of any player just based on the amount of talent they have on that team. I mean, it's a team full of McDonald's All-Americans, so... I don't feel sorry for Duke losing Zion in that regard. I feel sorry for Zion getting injured. Um, but that's just, I don't like that take. And I saw that take flying around a lot. Uh, Coach K is blessed with a dearth of talent on that team. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just an ignorant comment. That's somebody who yeah. hasn't been paying attention. Because yeah. if you go back to the beginning of the season, R.J. Barrett was the surefire number one overall pick right. of this draft. And... Right. Right now, he's probably still number two. So Duke has the number one and the number two best player in the country. So if one of those guys goes down, that's the team that can be able to overcome that. So, yeah, right. don't and give K- me Cam the— Reddish is a top five. Pick. Right. I mean, it's, it's crazy to me that—and this was not just from one person. Otherwise, I'd cite him. There were so many people saying, okay, you know, well, the game's not really a game now that Zion's gone. How? Why? That doesn't make any sense. Like, Zion is, is clearly— the best of the bunch right from a talent standpoint but you have the best coach arguably maybe ever in basketball history along with a ton of talent and we're supposed to all of a sudden count them out or feel sorry for them i'm not buying that yeah you know i think what you could argue is duke is a different team obviously without zion which any team would be you know on the inside i think they would have a uh a significant disadvantage going forward just because they're not really built to dominate inside unless they have Zion on the floor. But I think what we saw against their game against Louisville was you started getting more from some of the other guys. So it wasn't just Barrett, Reddish, or Williamson scoring points, which obviously Williamson was out of this game, but you know you got 20 points from Alex O'Connell. And what he can really bring to the table is that three-point shooting game. So he goes... Five for eight from the floor from three. The rest of the team was only four for 21. So if Duke can figure out how to start mixing guys like Alex O'Connell, who was a very high-profile recruit in his own right, into the game, they might be better suited for that come tournament time. And I think Coach K understands that. Um, You know, Syracuse is a team that has been struggling offensively, especially in their losses. And they did that again more so in the second half of this game only went one for 11 from three points but uh yeah I mean it was a good win for Duke you know again a nice huge performance by RJ Barrett Reddish had a good game but getting more from some of the other guys on your team that is what Duke has really struggled with this year and if a guy like Barrett were to go down or Trey Jones isn't there or Cam Reddish isn't shooting well or hey 
maybe Zion gets hurt or maybe he doesn't come back. How is Duke going to sustain that because they have been so top-heavy this season on their scoring production? So maybe with one of their top guys out, somebody else can kind of step forward and they can start to get more production from other areas. The one issue I see for Duke moving forward still has been their Achilles heel again is that three-point shot. Um, you know, you got a team that is in a scheme that's designed to get you open looks at every turn from three, and, and they've not changed that play style. If you watch Duke play, they're consistently shooting open three-pointers. The only issue is they're not making them. They have no one that's really going to give you that dagger three-pointer that you so badly need. And I honestly think that's going to end up holding Duke out from even a Final Four run this year. Because in the tournament, we've seen that the three-point shooting teams typically uh, fare pretty well. And, you know, the lower seed teams especially, that can knock down the three can be a, you know, a pain in the team side. But um, they're going to go up against some really good shooting teams, and I'm just not sure that they can go toe-to-toe with them. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I, You know, I, I think they're going to get Zion back, so I think they're going to be okay. But... Uh... You know, it was a nice rebound win against uh, Syracuse, even though Syracuse isn't really the cream of the crop when it comes to uh, the ACC. They're still still a formidable opponent. But moving on to some of the other games that we had during the week, the Louisville Cardinals are really starting to, to fade down the stretch here. So they had lost... Four of five coming into the UVA game this week. Now they've lost five of seven. They go down 64-52 to UVA. Not a surprise they lost this game, but, you know, the same story as usual. They were a team that had a 12-point lead over the Cavs. Everything was looking favorable, and then all of a sudden they go ice cold. They started 10 for 16 from three. They finished the game two for 17, and then DeAndre Hunter went off in the second half, had 19 points, career-high 26 for the game. UVA shot 59% from the floor in the second half. And this just shows you that, you know, if you're a team like Louisville or you're any team that's not a Duke or North Carolina that's at the very top of the ACC, you can't afford to take your foot off the gas against a team like UVA because they're a team that, if you give them the chance, they're going to get hot eventually from from downtown. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Right. Right. I think the game that really uh, shocked people was uh, the game earlier in the week where Louisville lost by 20 to Syracuse because that was really seen as a must win and uh, they were absolutely dominated. So I don't know what to expect from from Louisville going forward, to be honest. Uh, They've got a road game at Boston College. They then host Notre Dame. Those are obviously must-wins at this point. They're still favored as a five seed in the uh, in the latest bracketology, which was Jeez. as of Friday, the twenty-second. So that is post Syracuse loss, before the UVA loss. I'm guessing they'd probably move down to like a six or a seven um, after yeah. the UVA. But like for instance, a team like Virginia Tech who was coming off a close loss to UVA actually went down from a five seed to a six seed. So I don't know how you lose by six to UVA and you lose by 20 to Syracuse and one team stays put and the other falls. So um, that's just something to kind of look out for. I think Louisville, for some reason, they're still ranked 
They obviously will not be ranked next week. They've got a lot to figure out. I think they obviously will against Boston College and Notre Dame, but then they have to uh, go on the road to to UVA to close out ACC play. Yeah, and even Boston College can be tricky for them. Um, You know, Bowman for Boston College is absolutely lights out shooter and makes some tough shots. So we'll see what happens with that. But Louisville, again, was the team that we had kind of circled as, hey, eventually this team is going to come back down to earth. Um, well, they're doing that in a hard way right now. So, you know, how, how far are they going to drop? It was only remains to be seen. Yeah, so another another game that really stood out to me, Florida State against North Carolina. Florida State was close there in the first half, and then they got absolutely wiped off the map. So they had won their eighth straight conference game um, earlier in the week against Clemson which Clemson is a team now that is not in the latest bracketology, um, which should not be a surprise to anybody. They are still in that first four out group, which blows my mind how they're even that close. But either way, they uh, they beat Clemson, got their eighth, eighth win uh, in a row in conference play, and then they played UNC and they got absolutely whooped. So... Carolina outscored Florida State 28 to 12 in the paint. They have really started dominating teams that way. They out-rebounded Florida State 47 to 32. And uh Florida State's a team that typically doesn't get beat up inside like that. And uh Saturday they did. Yeah. Saturday they did. Nas Little came through and and really did a number on him, was able to get eight rebounds and 18 points. But, you know, a guy you don't typically think of as a hard-nosed rebounder, Cam Johnson, ended up pulling down 10 rebounds. And I think that's fantastic because Cam is always going to give you something on the offensive end. You know, he's got my favorite stroke in the league from a three-point area. Just a beautiful, pure shooter. But, you know, he's willing to mix it up, too, which was fantastic. And then you know you're always going to get fundamental rebounding from Luke May, and he pulled down 11. I scored 15. UNC, again, just continues to play well. Um, you know, I really like the way Kobe White's come on. Um, it's a good team. And, and Florida State wasn't really able to do much for all their physicality and all their length. They were only able to muster 59 points. Yeah, and then the last game that we'll highlight from last week, Virginia Tech-Notre Dame. Virginia Tech now all alone in fourth place in the ACC. And this is a team that obviously is not the same team it has been without Justin Robinson. But one guy who has really stepped up and is dictating the pace of play on both sides of the floor is Kerry Blackshear. He has uh, he has really turned into a leader. Watching the game yesterday, you could see where he was calling for the ball, telling people where to go on offense or on defense. He's a guy who plays on both ends of the floor, and really the game is running through him either for the Hokies or for the opponent at this point. Uh, I'm really excited for the Virginia Tech-Duke matchup on Tuesday, uh, especially if Williamson isn't in the game. I think Virginia Tech has a decent, favorable matchup with Blackshear uh, on the inside. This is a team that just out-rebounded Notre Dame 49-27. to They got to the free-throw line 31 times, which is important when you're struggling offensively. Yes. And... Three-point-wise, you know, this this team, I think they hit their first four threes of the game, and then they finished the game one for 13 from three. 
So again, they're just they're having issues from from three when you know on the season they're shooting over forty percent. Uh, they were a little sloppy. They did have 16 turnovers, but uh, they were still able to come out on top, beat the Fighting Irish. The Fighting Irish is a team, you know, not a good season, 13 and 14 overall, 3 and 11 in the ACC. But it's a team that, for the most part, plays everybody fairly tough. I mean, if you look at last weekend, they held or they uh, they only lost to UVA by six points. So it's a team that uh, you cannot play down against you got to play up Virginia Tech didn't have their best game offensively uh, but again it's it's defense that continues to to carry Virginia Tech uh, to this point and the fact that you know they've been in without Robinson for a month now and they're still the number four team in the ACC I think that's uh, hats off to to Buzz Williams for the coaching job that he's done yeah he's been fantastic and look you can't say enough good things about Blackshear um as you said, barking out orders to teammates, but consider what he did yesterday. He led the team in points, assists, and rebounds from essentially the five spot, which is just crazy. Um, you know, another thing the announcer said, which really made it hard for me to watch him, was uh, the fact that when he runs, his heels never actually touch the floor. Um, and I've noticed this before, but when someone points it out, it makes it almost impossible to watch. Anything but the way his feet move. It's like watching a ballerina kind of dance. It's the strangest thing. If it works for him, it works for him. I just thought I would point that out. Um, but really, this this stretch has been so tough for Virginia Tech. Wabisabidi in particular, um, again, just looking tragic on the offensive end. Why he continues to take three-pointers, I will never know. But I really wanted to highlight him because I wanted to give him some kudos. That is one of the hardest-working, most physical point guards I've ever seen play for a guy who can't be any taller than six feet, um, you know, grabbed eight boards during that game, which I thought was just fantastic. His offensive play wasn't there. He got about six points, but the hustle and the effort from him, we've been really hard on Wabisa, but um, I think it's time we at least say, you know, there, there is good aspects to his game. And I know we mentioned on the prior podcast, I think he's a perfect fit for a sort of spark plug backup point guard to get in there and mix it up on the defensive end. But this team is just crying for Justin Robinson at this point. And if you can get Justin working with uh, Mr. Blackshear Jr. together, um, both at a high performance level, this is a team that you could see sneaking into the Elite Eight. Yeah, you know, I was I was actually going to say the exact same about, about Beattie. And he's a guy who plays extremely hard. And I think that's why he is such a good supplement to Robinson when he's coming off the bench for him because he gives you a lot of energy off the bench. He can give you that spark. And, I mean, to be honest, he's just, you know, this was honestly his best game offensively since NC State when he went three for four from three. So, again, that's not saying much because he hasn't been good. But uh, on the rebounding side of things and just, you know, for all – intensive purposes just effort he's a guy who you know is going to go out there and he's going to give you all he's got you just wish he could actually get something to drop offensively because yeah i would like to see him stop taking the three but when he's that wide open consistently you gotta take it i don't care who you are especially when you're at his position just for whatever reason he just hasn't he he can't get it to drop it's been he hasn't made a three-pointer since february 2nd I mean, 
Every game he's played in, he's started, and he hasn't made one three. That's six games. He's he's threeless, basically. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, again, he's only got 10 points over that six-game stretch. So it, it's been bad. It's been really bad. But uh, he can do other things. I just wish he would uh, maybe start giving the ball up a little bit more. You know, one thing that I thought was interesting watching Ty Outlaw He's a guy who loves to stand on uh, on the quarter of the perimeter, corner of the perimeter, and a lot of times he doesn't do much else unless he's getting the ball or unless they kind of release him. I don't know if that's like the design play, but he's not a guy who moves around a whole lot on the offense. No, side. no, and they need to work to find him in transition more. I noticed during that game, we did find him once. I think he kind of just threw the ball over to him. Uh, over to Beatty's left and found him in a mini transition opportunity to get a wide open three and he nailed it. Um, but I did notice the outlaw has a has a habit of knowing where to be for a transition three pointer. And I just hope we start working that more because outlaw does have a fantastic three point shot. Um, I think he's a pretty underrated guy. So hopefully we can get more from him on an offensive uh, from an offensive standpoint moving forward here. Yeah, so just to uh, to recap ACC standings, there's a three-way tie for first. You've got UVA, Duke, North Carolina all knotted up. Uh, you got Virginia Tech in sole place of fourth. They are the last team with 10-plus wins. That is their fourth year in a row with 10 wins in the ACC, by the way, which if you had said that five years ago, yeah, that seemed like a, uh, a, a, a dream. Florida State, Syracuse, and Louisville all have nine wins. And then NC State is the last team over 500. And they are at eight and seven and eighth place in the conference uh, with their win today over Wake Forest. So those are also your teams in the latest bracketology rankings by Joe Lenardi. Uh, again, this was updated as a Friday, so it does not have the weekend update in here. But I think other than Louisville, most of the teams are going to stay pretty much locked and loaded. So you've got Duke and Virginia as one seeds. Syracuse is an eight seed right now. You got Virginia right. Tech at a six seed, which this has them pitted against VCU. So that would be a fun matchup. Um, and then you got Florida State up to a number five. I think I don't think Florida State's going to drop necessarily after the UNC game, but I think that's a team that. Maybe five is probably a good fit for them. Four could be uh, a possibility. Then uh, NC State is still locked in at the 10, and then North Carolina is a two seed. So that is your ACC bracketology picture, and that also gives you a four-way tie for number of teams in to the tournament uh, with the SEC, Big 12, Big 10, and ACC all with eight teams in, Big East with five. America Conference with four, and then the Pac-12 again with uh, an abysmal two teams. So, so that is uh, that is a look at bracketology. Just a recap or a uh, preview of this week coming up. We've got Notre Dame at Florida State Monday night. I think that's an easy win for Florida State, Tim. Then we've got. Uh, I agree. We've got Duke and Virginia Tech Tuesday. So who do you, who do you like? Oh man, that's tough. So if we're dealing with no Zion again, um, Duke looks remarkably beatable. 
uh, without Zion for whatever reason. They they shouldn't. Again, we went over this earlier. That just crazy talent on that team. Um, where Duke could give Virginia Tech problems is going to be on the defensive end. Obviously, their ability to get to the basket is going to be big for them. If they're knocking down three-pointers, Virginia Tech really doesn't have a chance. But there, there's the rub right there is they're not going to knock down three-pointers, and I think Virginia Tech will. Um, Virginia Tech's got a 50-50 shot in this game. They're a toss-up to me. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say the Hokies since that's what my diploma on the wall reads. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really uh, gritty, hard-fought game. And uh, I'm just going to say, you know, you, you live and die with Kerry Blackshear at this point. Duke is going to do everything in their, yep. their power to get Blackshear into foul trouble. And if that happens, then I, I just don't think Virginia Tech's got a shot to win. Unless we get a Justin Robinson appearance, which could happen. You know, I mean, he was uh, yeah. he was in warm-up gear on Saturday. He wasn't necessarily warming up, but he was a little bit more active than he had been. I wouldn't be shocked to see him play in this game, um, although we've got no idea where he's at. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Hokies as well. I think that would be a nice, uh, nice little add to the resume there. We've also got Syracuse at North Carolina. I think North Carolina wins that game with ease. They are, they're just playing too big right now. Um, Georgia Tech at UVA on Wednesday. Clemson at Pitt. And then Louisville at Boston College. You know, I guess, uh, I guess Clemson, if they just need to keep winning, because if they're the first four out, they still have a chance. So let's keep right. on Clemson there. Um, and then Louisville, obviously, that Boston College game is huge considering how they've played. And then that takes us into Saturday. We've got NC State at Florida State. That's a big one. Uh, Pitt at Virginia. That's not so big. Miami at Duke. And then North Carolina at Clemson. Virginia Tech does not play next weekend. Their next game will be against Florida State, which would... Mm-hmm close out the season is that right or is there that is right yeah, i think that would be it yeah okay so virginia tech is down to their last three games of the season um so this duke game becomes pretty important um so we'll see what happens but uh exciting time in acc basketball i can't believe the regular season is is fast approaching yep. uh moving into the final two weeks of the season any uh any things to watch for you, Tim, going into this week? Yeah, I think Clemson and North Carolina, we keep mentioning Clemson as, according to Joe Bernardi, clinging on to some slim hope of making it in the NCAA tournament. I think if they get a win against UNC, that that looks like a much more positive picture for them. And um, that win would likely see them through to the tournament if they could also uh, finish up their other uh, their other games of wins, too. So something to keep an eye on that'll that'll be worth watching uh Clemson's gonna give you and see everything they've got in that game um other than that just again Florida State's gonna be closing with Virginia Tech and NC State so that's gonna be a, a tough couple of games for Florida State they'll need to win one of those um other than that it's you know it's business as usual in the ACC it always gets fun around this time and uh you know we're working our way towards an ACC tournament which is always just so special so I'm looking forward to it, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you know, Tim, that's that's all I've got for today. Busy week of basketball. Another busy week coming up. 
Uh, don't eat too much barbecue. You know, I don't, I don't know if you brought a seatbelt <laughs> extender, but you might need to uh, purchase one of those in the airport. Man, I tell you, I need one. It, I was not ready for Texas barbecue to be even as good as it was. I had put it really high on a pedestal, but that stuff is incredible. And I did not think that smoked sausage would be something I would be interested in. And I could not have been uh, more off the mark. Now I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be in Dallas early March, and uh, you can bet that barbecue is on on my uh, on my to do list. So we are Chowder and Grits again. You can listen to us on TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play Store. Or you can head over to ChowderandGrits.com. Check us out on there, or uh, you know if you're on Twitter, give us a follow. Like us at Chowder and Grits. Like us on Facebook. You got the you got the idea now, huh? Chowder and Grits. <laughs> Just spell it out. You'll find us. We're there. Leave us a note. Drop us a mailbag question, and we will be sure to get to you. Tim, as always, this was fun. And do you want to tell people how they can uh, go ahead and and do a little favor for us? Yeah, do us a favor, rate us five stars on any service that you're be able to leave ratings on. That helps us out, and it helps our visibility get our names out in front of people that want to see ACC uh, and listen to ACC football and basketball podcasts, which is obviously our niche market. And go ahead and tell your friends about us. Let them know we exist. That would be a huge help. We certainly appreciate you guys for listening, and we're certainly seeing the numbers of you turning in. So we absolutely appreciate it. And as always, Justin and I will leave you with a uh, see you next week and go ACC. That's right. Click, listen, subscribe, chowder and grits. See you guys later.